Hello, my lovey. I'm Mel Trumbull, here to show you how to use your resources for yourself and have joy on the daily. Even if you have a craptastic background, even if your upbringing was the stuff of nightmares like mine was. I manage depression, anxiety, and ADHD. Here's the thing. Even with crapolini wiring, I live authentically and joyously. I mean, yeah, I spent decades in therapy and it wasn't until I learned about changing my mindset that I really worked my shiitake out. I now help loveys with their mindsets so we can rock more joy in our world that really, really needs it. Hello, lovey. We are here today with Natalie Rita, a lovely coach, an amazing survivor, and she has an amazing story, and I will give you a synopsis in a second. Hello, Natalie. Hello, 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 hello. So nice to see you and your Brit accent. It's fantastic. <laughs> Thank you kindly. <laughs> so, Natalie, you have survived a heck of a couple of years. You yeah. were diagnosed with cancer. You had literally, you know, a, not even a, a colostomy bag. You had a, you, like, you just had everything different. Everything was unique in your situation. Mm -hmm. And of course you're like decades younger than anyone else when you're going yeah. to these like therapy places and rehab places to help you like figure out how to deal with this. And I remember you telling me that there was a point in the midst of all of this, I see you completely, you know, people in bee suits coming because you can't have any, uh, any contact with any germs. And I say bee mm -hmm. suits, but, um, dear listener, what I mean is of course they're like all suited up to be, uh, what would you say? Antiseptic, sterile, sterile. Yeah. Sterile, yes. Yeah. Right. Um, so there was a moment when you had, it's such a Florence Nightingale story. Will you tell me about the lovely nurse and the situation you were in when she came and talked to you? Yeah, of course. Um, so after my first uh, surgery to remove um, the cancer in my colon, um, I was transferred to a normal ward, but um, I was in so much pain. Like I was in agony and they had reduced my pain medication and they didn't want to up it. And I wasn't really um, very mobile at all. And um yeah. And so because I was in so much pain, they said, look, you know, it looked like it was a successful surgery, but because obviously you're in pain, like the only option we could do is then exploratory surgery, um, which is basically when they cut you open and dig around and <laughs> see what they see. Wow. And I was terrified of that option um, because I had just recovered from a surgery. And um, yeah, they had a shift change that evening. And this wonderful nurse, I can't even remember her name, but I can clearly see what she looked like. Um, and she was just, she had this amazing aura about her. And she came and she like sat on the side of my bed. And she was like, um, I understand that you're in pain and that you're scared and that you feel alone. And she's like, and I'm here. Um, you know, and I didn't, I didn't really want to hear it, you know, like I had like the ileostomy bag. So obviously like this bag is constantly filling up with like, you know, waste from my body and 
like what 31 year old four months before their wedding wants to have a bag of poo hanging off them nobody mm-hmm. and um I had all my scar tissue and I just even though they'd done it through keyhole surgery of course you know like there was a lot going in and they actually like pump up your belly a little bit so that they can see what they're doing so my my stomach was really bloated and I felt so uncomfortable I just felt like an alien in my body and she said you know there are things that you can do to help and the first thing she had me do was she's like relax I'm like what do you mean relax (laughs) like I'm in hospital what do you mean relax and she's like lower your shoulders and I hadn't realized that my shoulders were so tense they were like richly pushed all the way up to Mm. my shoulders my like up to my ears and of course like like if you do that yourself now like physically push your shoulders up it's not just your shoulders that oh no everything your neck hurts Mm. your back gets tense your legs your whole body is yeah my abs everything yeah now imagine holding that level of tension for days at a time oh my and that's how my whole body was so she was like relax your shoulders relax relax allow them to drop further and um she's like okay now breathe deeply and I did some breathing exercises with her and she also like showed me how I could lay on the bed so that I would feel comfortable because I was so tense and she said you know if you think that something is really really wrong then we can do the surgery but she was like I think that it's just that you're scared and you're tense and you just need to learn that, you know, unfortunately things like this happen. But she said, it's actually a good thing that you're young um, because you'll be able to bounce back quicker. Um, But she also said, you know, you have to want it. And I had like, what do you mean wanted? Um, But yeah, I think I had the reality of having cancer had obviously hit me. I was, I was, you know, I was in hospital. Right. Um, Yeah. And so I had been so focused on how scary that was because, you know, cancer is a big, big thing. Like it's called the big thing, you know, and um, yeah. And so I'd been so consumed with how terrible things were and what a, a terrible situation it was. And, I was also very much why me it's so unfair and I hated the way that I looked because of the scar because of the bag right and it I sounds couldn't... like you were you were like ruminating over things yeah. and going over them and over them yeah. which you know what now do you do it just solidifies just... it in your mind right yeah. it's just solid yeah. in your mind and it keeps yeah. you there yeah. And it just, and it spiraled. I don't know if if anyone's ever experienced that, but once you seem to get in this, this funk, like it literally just spirals and one negative thought feeds into another. And I was just sitting in the room, like, I, you know, my husband had bought me like books and like he bought me coloring books, like for adults. Mm-hmm. And like I'm an avid reader. Like he bought me books in to read. Uh, he bought me an iPad in so that I could watch things. And I did none of those things. I literally just sat in bed thinking about how terrible my life was and how unfair it was. So let's be fair. That is understandable and incredibly unhelpful to yourself. So how did you move out of that? Well, this is the thing. So so she literally said to me, she's like, you've got to want to get better and you've got to want to live your life. 
And she's like, and you have to accept your body for the way that it is. And the way that I can start is by taking care of myself. So they bought in a stoma nurse and I learned how to empty and change the bag myself. Mm-hmm. Which at the like at the time it's really great. I mean, nobody's meant to see their own intestine poking out of their stomach. Um, and that was definitely a learning curve. But actually learning how to take care of it and myself and mm-hmm. deal with it more often gave me flexibility because then I could go to the bathroom by myself. Mm-hmm. That like, oh, I could also have a shower. And um, I also then reached out to some friends because I'd been quite cut off since then. And I, you know, I was like, Hey, can you come in? And then I had like some of my girlfriends come in and we did face masks. We painted our nails and, um, I got some really beautiful gold sparkly slippers and like, I would go for little walks up and down the corridor and just those little small steps of seeing myself as being just a human but also like just the normality of finding life tasks like having a shower or doing my nails or mm-hmm. hanging out with my girlfriends all still with it while being in the hospital but um I think that started on that that shift in my mind of like okay well I still need to I still need to live I'm still alive mm-hmm. um yeah <clears throat> That's gorgeous. That's absolutely (laughs) gorgeous. I love it because that's so important to us to be able to take control of something, Mm -hmm. something, right? And and so just by control, right? And the fact is, you did have a piece of intestine outside of your body, and that was how your body would be able to heal, yeah, right? Because the waste can't go through where they had surgery because that has to heal without contaminants. Exactly. It's it was not permanent, and. Oh, just horrible though. I'm sorry you had to go through that. And I don't want to be trite, but dang, when do we get to stop proving how strong we are? Right? Yeah. You yeah, still had exactly. you had a ways to go on that journey because I did. then you had another, you know, after everything was done and everything mm-hmm. looked great. And the doctor said, Oh, you're doing so well. We'll do your next checkup in six months. And then of course you go back and huh. Then yeah. the cancer is in your liver. Yeah. Which happily can reju- regenerate itself. So, exactly. but in the moment, talk about feeling absolutely singled out by the universe, you know, yeah. to, to have uh, and the timing of it was terrible as well. And then you used goals to get out of it. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, exactly. I mean, so in between the first bout of cancer and then the second bout coming back, I had almost already died. I almost died as well from complications from reversing the ileostomy and having that brush with death um, really scared me and having goals to get out of that. When my goal was to go to the States for a friend's wedding. Um, And so I recovered against all the odds. I went to America, had the most amazing time. And after that, I then entered a rehabilitation center for supposed to be for three weeks. I think I ended up being there for five. And that just rocked my world because in my mind, I mean, when you say rehab, your first thought is like drug rehab. And it's not, this is actually for (laughs) cancer patients and it was for physical rehabilitation 
but also mental and spiritual, mm-hmm. which is quite like it's quite out there, you know, really. And um, I had so many wonderful experiences during my time there, which is why I extended it. And I got to see a therapist and I did art therapy. I did swimming. I got to have massages. I did dance therapy. We did guided visualizations, meditation, everything. Plus with the network of people who were going through what I was going through. And I met other people who were also young. Ah, so that's a key that that you could see yourself. And then when you say it's out there, it doesn't sound out there to me. It sounds like they're holistically treating the person as opposed to only being medical. But the German way of doing things is normally very black and white, very medical. And so, Mm. um, yes, so they, I mean, they don't call it meditation in German. It's called autogenes training. Like they always have to like put this like medical spin on it, but it's basically, yeah, guided meditations and visualizations. Um, And there was one particular moment I spoke to a therapist and um, I said that, you know, I have to go back to work. And she was like, what do you mean have to? Like, she really challenged my my obligation I felt to return to work when I definitely wasn't in the space to go back. I was mentally, like physically I was recovering, but mentally I'd had, you know, a year or, you know, of trauma built up and I hadn't processed it really. And so she really helped me on that journey. So then when the second time that I got diagnosed with cancer, when it metastasized, mm-hmm was devastating of course because mm-hmm. you know we were having the big wedding celebration we were going to the Maldives on our honeymoon like we paid for it all and I was super excited and we were supposed to be celebrating me being a year cancer free only to then have the rug pulled out from under us and it's like oh surprise it's metastasized your liver at stage four um it was devastating however the difference a year made because I had 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 multiple different therapies. And the biggest thing is I had a mindset shift and I can't, there wasn't one particular aha pivotal moment. It was a period of experiencing different things and emotions and actually feeling in contact with my emotions and being able to express them and not hide it all down and stuff it really down and hold it tight so it can't come out. I felt my emotions and I shared them with with friends. I reached out to people and I continually sought therapy and I was doing my own meditations at home. So and by therapy, done, you mean you mean talk therapy? Talk therapy, yeah. Okay. And I was still like then finding things that I enjoyed. Like I was like I really enjoy adult coloring books. They're fun. Um, I find that it like gets me in this zone where I'm not thinking about anything apart from, oh, that color looks nice. Mm -hmm. Um, So the second time that I got diagnosed, I was in a much better frame of mind to be able to deal with it. So when I got into hospital, I was literally like, you know, the light of the station, if I can say that about myself, because, you know, I got out of surgery and I was like, right, okay can I get up now? I want to start walking. I want you to take the catheter out. Like I was ready and raring to go. And the doctor was kind of like taken aback because a lot of people do have that, that woe is me. It's not fair. This happened to me. And that was who I, like, that's where I was that year before. Yeah. 
And like this time around, I was like, I cannot get into that spiral again. And it was right before Easter. So I was like, my goal is to get out of hospital so I can spend the Easter weekend at home with my husband. And I did. I got up every day. I mean, obviously I followed the doctor's instructions, but, um, you know, I was eating healthily. I was feeding my mind. I remember watching uh, Beyonce Homecoming on Netflix. Um, Like I was, you know, I was still living my life Mm -hmm. in the hospital um, trying to get out. And, you know, and then I had the big wedding coming up. I knew what to expect with chemotherapy and, um, yeah, I just felt like myself because I had this realization that I don't know if I'm still going to be around tomorrow because tomorrow is not guaranteed for anybody, regardless of whether you have cancer or another disease. Tomorrow is not promised. So live for today, create the life that you want to have. And find joy even in the smallest thing whether it's having a cup of coffee and just relaxing or reading a chapter of a book in the middle of the day because why not um it could be the big things like the extravagant holidays and the big wedding which we did do and 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 you uh, timed the wedding very wisely because you timed it for the end of the second week uh, yeah you know after you had chemo so that your energy was up and yeah yeah and I actually had my last chemotherapy. So the wedding was on the Saturday, um, the 20th of July, 2019, the big, big <laughs> celebration. And um, on the Monday, I was in having chemo. And it was my last session. Yes. Um, yeah. So that was like, obviously, ideally, it would have been great to have finished before the wedding. But that's just not how it worked out. Um and I was just in such a great space. And I actually had some, like, I took a, f- a few photos of me, like, while I was there, because normally I just tried to avoid um, having memories of that. Um, but I took a picture and I just remember feeling so triumphant, <laughs> I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and then after that, obviously, I healed and we went we because we had to cancel um, the Maldives because I had surgery. So instead, we went to Dominican Republic, which was amazing. And then when we got back, I was like, okay, I need to heal um, for a year because obviously it was a lot of surgeries. Mm-hmm. And then after that, we can talk about children. So that was my next. Uh, that was your thing. goal. That was my goal. I wanted to be healthy, so I. <clears throat> You know, I took my nutrition very um, seriously and I was exercising and I kept up with doing my therapy. And I also discovered more about the law of attracting and manifesting as well. Right. Which is what led you. And that's what led you into coaching. Exactly. So because you saw the transformation in yourself due to this. And so tell me about that journey after these amazing you know, the, the ebbs of life, the, the dark yeah. times, then you're like, hang on, I can make yeah. this work for others. Exactly. So like through this whole journey of my, my up and down and, and being in depression and then like pulling myself out of it. Um, and then when I really started to explore 
okay, mindset and positivity. I'm like, well, what does that mean? And like, you know, when you go down that Google rabbit hole and then like, I found out about the law of attraction and I found about manifesting and um, yeah, just really switching how like, and pivoting how you perceive the world. And so even for example, with my fertility, the doctors told us it would be very difficult to conceive. Ha, ha, ha. I was like, hmm, I don't think so. <laughs> so, you know, I visualized getting pregnant, a friend of mine who I'd actually, during my process of me going through my recovery, she was miserable in, in what she was doing. And I remember having this very frank conversation with her. Um, well, I was like, what are you doing, Shannon? And she's like, what do you mean? I was like, you don't like your life. You've told me you don't like it like since I've met you what do you want to do and she's like oh you think it's funny and everything I'm like well what is it no she's like, I, want, I want to be a potter and I was like then be a potter uh she so anyway she enrolled on a pottery course it was like three years it. long and she like quit her job and she did that and and one of the first things she made she actually made this beautiful um pottery sculpture of a um pregnant woman Mm-hmm. And like I cherish it. It's still on my desk today. Aww. And like I rubbed the belly and like I thanked like the universe for my fertility and I thanked it for my healthy body and my ability to conceive and carry a child. I did my visualizations. I also had one of my pregnant girlfriends bless my womb. And the first month that we tried to get pregnant, boom, immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, my husband thinks it's because he's got super sperm. Uh, Naturally. <laughs> and that is absolutely part of it, honey. Yeah. But, you know, like having that um, that moment was amazing because, that, I mean, that was like a physical thing where the doctors are telling me I probably can't, won't be able to conceive. And even if I did, I probably wouldn't be able to carry the baby to term. Well, I did. And I gave birth to a healthy baby boy who is coming up for almost two. He's, he's two next month. And um this time around so we were trying for we wanted to try for another baby and again I had people telling me you know well it's going to be much more difficult for you to conceive the second time around I have known couples who've been trying for over a year and before we even started to try I went to a shop and I bought the cutest little outfit for a baby girl and I hung it up in my wardrobe and I look at it every single day and Conrad and I tried and boom, I got pregnant second month. Mm-hmm. And I am happy to inform you that yesterday we found out the gender and it is indeed a girl. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's amazing. Talk about yes. manifesting. And the thing yes. that I love is that you allowed yourself to see this possibility. For sure. And you fought hard to maintain yeah. your fertility. You you declined yeah. radiation. Since there was like no actual statistics to back it up, your, yeah. none that your doctor could share. And obviously you went and got a second opinion. And rather yeah. than, as your doctor charmingly stated, nuke your womb, yeah. you opted <laughs> to just go with the chemo yeah. uh, as that has been proven to be effective. And, exactly. and here you are. Baby number two. And when is baby number two joining us? Uh, She is due on the 12th of June. A summer baby. A summer baby, which I'm super excited about. And during this um, whole journey, it's just been, it has been highs and it has been lows. But I have to say, 
I would say since that cancer diagnosis, so April 2019, I have just progressively just been getting happier and happier and happier. And like 2020, when COVID hit, I know that a lot of people all over the world had some very dark times. Right. But it was my best year yet because I was like, yeah, it's not, it's not ideal being pregnant during Corona and Comrade can't come to the visits and the scans and none of the mummy baby groups are open and my family can't come over and I missed weddings and like there's funerals. There was a lot going on, but the way that I dealt with it all was from a pace of, of love and acceptance and gratitude I was just happy to be alive, you know, so right. everything else was, was a bonus and they treated it as such. And so Comrade and I, we said we wanted to buy something in November, 2019, because I was mm-hmm. like, okay, well, I need to live, I need to live. And we signed all the paperwork for something in February. It literally ticked all of the boxes. Again, we had negative Nancy's who were like, oh, you're not being reasonable. I'm like, fuck being reasonable. I'm like, what is it that I want? We had a list of everything and we got everything. We got the two bathrooms, the underfloor heating, the garden, three bedrooms, uh, the kitchen of my dreams. I got everything I ever wanted because I wasn't, as Emily would say, I wasn't available for the alternative. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. And during this whole process, I had a baby, went on maternity leave and like I'm I'm a teacher. And so I did a two year teaching course as a Waldorf um language teacher mm-hmm. and I also did my driving lessons I did all of these things all while pregnant and having a baby at home and I did all of that which most people wouldn't do but I'm like I've got one life I'm going to cram as much as I can in and then returning to work I realized huh this is not what I want to do anymore isn't that it's wild like- it's you're so, so because you had such clarity around all yeah. these other things propelling yourself yeah. forward. And so then the professional portion, right? You yeah. know, that's part of us. That's one of our pillars, yeah. you know, is work. And mm-hmm. you're just like, well, this is not exactly uh, going along with the rest of this gloriousness. No. And this is it because, I mean, basically, work had taken a back seat. Mm-hmm. I, I went for long periods of time where I wasn't at work because I was recovering. I hadn't worked full time. Right since 2017 Mm -hmm. and so I went back to work only part-time hours and I mean obviously the transition from for any mum leaving their child and going back to work is is difficult and you feel torn in so many different ways but I was looking forward to going back and then I got back and I'd learned all these new skills in my in my teaching course. I was like thrilled to see my colleagues. It was actually nice to get out of the house. And I would come home and I'm just like, oh, and I and this is not really what I want. Huh. And I felt quite upset for a while. And I had a really wonderful conversation with my husband where he's like, you know you're always telling other people you've only got one life and what is it that you really want to do? And he's like, have you actually thought about what you want recently? And like for him to give me this aha (laughs) moment was magical (laughs) because I realized that like I was so busy. I wouldn't even say giving advice to friends. I was 
guiding them through a conversation for them to have their own realization. Girl, you know what you were doing. You were coaching. You were already coaching. Yeah. And so I was having people reach out to me and I'm always like, I think you already know what you want. You just need to give yourself permission to do so. And then to have my husband basically like parrot these words back at me, I actually remember feeling really angry with him because I'm like, why didn't that make so much sense? Um, and so then it's hard to take our own medicine, girl. Sometimes it it's is. hard. It's you mentioned Emily earlier. Emily Williams is a, one of our amazing coaches. And she actually, um, in one of the membership meetings, um, I was telling her something I was going through and she's just like, you know, you're very hard on yourself. And I kid you not. And I actually even, I have a chapter in my book about this, be your own best friend. Yeah. She goes, you would never treat a friend like this. And immediately I was like, oh, hypocrite. Oh no. And I was not treating myself like a friend. No, (laughs) I would never, ever talk to anybody the way that I had spoken Mm -hmm. to myself. Never. And this is what's interesting in this whole journey that in some ways, having a baby and being a mother and then going back to work, I had actually lost sight of some of my my perspective because Mm -hmm. I was just doing the things that like, you know, were expected. And that's when I was like, okay, well, what is it that I want? And I went on this whole self-discovery. I was journaling, scripting, writing, like, what is my favorite one of my favorite things. I'm a very structured, organized person. I had pros and cons lists. I wrote about my strengths and my weaknesses. I created <laughs> now, a I have to ask, board. <laughs> was, was this very structured, like, let's do a spreadsheet. Was this you before you lived in Germany? Or is this something that sort of became more of you? Oh, no, I've always, I've always been like, I say I'm a pen and paper kind of a girl. Spreadsheets aren't my thing. I'm like, ooh, if I can buy some new stationery and a beautiful new notebook. I have so many notebooks at home. Um, <laughs> Don't even talk to me. I, we can I love like, different toe. colors, different pens. Like, you know, I've got all the different types of hole punches that can cut like hearts and shapes. I've got a corner cutter, laminating. Oh you need God. to start scrapbooking. Laminating. You can make your own books with laminators. Just saying. I yes. mean, it's so much fun. I, yeah, I'm all down for the stationery. So this is what I did. And I got my vision board out. And what was interesting, that was also a process because I studied journalism and creative writing and I love mm-hmm. writing. So I was like, maybe that's what it is. And I started writing while I'm writing my my memoir, my, my autobiography. But I started writing like children's books as well. And it wasn't going as well as I expected. And then I sat and I thought, and I'm like, okay, what's the purpose of writing these books? And I'm like, because I want to help people. I'm like, okay, well, what people? And like, actually, after going through this like questioning process, I realized, well, I want to help empower women to transform their lives. I want to help people who are in the suckiest of times, in the deepest chaos of their lives, realize that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and it's them that they have that power to yes. create that. You are speaking my love language. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, well, I'm already helping guide people. Uh-huh. Well, what can I do? And so I was like, well, do I do like, do I want to be like a hypnotherapist? Do I want to go into like homeopathy or and like EFT? Because it can be overwhelming, right, Natalie? It can be overwhelming because literally you have the whole world. 
right? You have everything that you can do and you have, you're resourceful and you're willing to, to do the work. And so then it's just like, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) And it can be overwhelming, but I also, I don't know where I heard this. I like, I, whether I saw it on a, on a podcast or Uh or on a podcast or something, but I remember hearing something like, just because you choose to do something doesn't mean you have to stick with it. And and this pivot, is interesting because like pivot. again, like I don't want to feel like, oh, I'm like making this huge life choice and then I'm stuck doing it because, you know, what will people think? And I'm like, do I actually care? And so girl, fuck those people. Right. Hmm. And so I really narrowed down like what I wanted to do. And I did a lot of research. Cause like again, researching is kind of like my thing. Um And I actually narrowed it down to two training companies that I wanted to do. And there were two very different things. One was to be a rapid transformational therapy, uh, hypnotherapist Mm -hmm. uh, with a Marissa Peer program. And the other one was with a UK company, which is the number one UK company called the NLP company, which did life coaching, clinical hypnotherapy, neuro-linguistic programming. And okay, so, so but they're both similar in the way that they're similar, both dealing with the hypnotherapy, the you know, and, and all yeah. of those flows. Yeah, so I did consultation calls with the both of them, okay. loved both of them, and I was like, I can't even do pros and cons on both of them because it's like comparing apples and oranges in a way. And so I was like, eh, well, I'll just like leave it up to the universe kind of thing, and I just slept on it. And when I woke up, I just had this clarity. When I woke up first thing in the morning, I was like, I know where I'm, I know what I'm doing. I love and it. I enrolled the very next day and literally I spent all of my savings. I mean, all of it <laughs> on the course, which normally would give me a lot of anxiety spending all that money because I'd only return back to work part-time. Investing, darling, like, investing. And that's it, isn't it? It's having that mentality of I'm not spending that money. I am investing it in my future. How can I... I feel like I've got this gift to help people, but I also need to educate myself and give myself the tools mm-hmm. so that I can then be the best version of myself to help others. Right. And that's, that's why we get training. That's why we get certified. Yeah. That's why, you, you know, so that it's we continual can... training. It's, oh, it doesn't, always. it never ends. Always, always. <laughs> so, yeah. So I enrolled in that course, threw myself into it and I passed the practitioner level. So I am ready to go. Um, but of course, because I love to learn, I've also enrolled in the next level because I want to, I want to learn more skills. And in between that time, of course, as you know, we met on the, um, the membership for mm-hmm. I Heart My Life. And yeah, I mean, I'm trying to practice what I preach. I am doing different workshops. I have so many books. I kind of don't even know where to start. I love Rich as Fuck by Amanda Francis. She's amazing. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And I'm just so eager to start and like launch my business and see where the world takes me. And it's just such an exciting period of my life because I want to, I want to be a role model to my children. I want to say to them, Hey, it doesn't matter where you came from or what you experienced in your life. You can and do deserve to live the life of your dreams. Oh my goodness. Better than your dreams. That is brilliant, Natalie. And what a wonderful end to a fantastic interview that you can live the life of your dreams even better 
than your dreams. And you and I, as you know, peas in a pod, totally simpatico. You know, you're you're coming at things from more of like the sudden chaos. And then, yeah. you know, the people that I help are the ones who like grew up in that shafizzle or, you, you know, something terrible has already happened to them and they want to heal the trauma and move the hook on dot com, yeah. you know, so I love it. I'm so glad we happened upon each other and I look forward to watching your journey and hopefully participating in it. I'd love to collaborate with you. This has been a wonderful interview. Well, thank you for having me on the podcast. And yeah, I feel like I have made a lifelong friend. So watch this space. Ah, excellent. All right. Cheers, lovey. You heard it here from Natalie Rita. So glad you joined me on ZFG Living, the podcast. Please check me out, www.zfgliving.com and on social media as ZFG Living. That's zero folks given living. ZFG, baby. And uh, my email is melissa at zfgliving.com. Hope to hear from you. Give me a shout. <laughs>